Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Um Tonight we are going to get into a couple of different things. I got some alarming information when it comes to the bad broker report. I want to uh we are going to have Chuck Snow joining us here in a little bit. So Chuck, if you're on the line, go ahead and press the number one. That way we can get you up and on board and have you locked in. Uh start off tonight as we normally always do with these this week's USDA report. Um there are quite a few markets that are reporting some movement, some areas that may be able to take some advantages on the spot market. Those areas are as follows. San Luis Valley, Colorado, Idaho, Merrill County, Oregon, Upper Valley, Twin Falls District, Idaho, Michigan, apples and cucumbers coming out of Michigan. Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, Nebraska, New York, Columbia Basin, Washington, and Central Wisconsin. Those all areas have uh, very tight capacity crunches going on right now. There uh, is a shortage of trucks in those areas, so if you are working the spot market, there could be some opportunities abound in those particular areas. We have some other areas that are showing slight shortages, and those areas are as follows. San Luis Valley, California, South District, California, Michigan once again, uh, also Chicago areas falling under this report with Michigan, and Eastern North Carolina. All of those areas are once again reporting slight shortages. We have no areas that are reporting slight surpluses or outright surpluses. So that's a good thing. Every other area within the country is reporting an adequate supply of truck capacity in those areas. Jumping over, moving right along over into this week's DAT report, uh, trend lines report. Starting off with dry vans, we're going to start off with the uh, National Dry Van Demand and Capacity Report. Uh, demand for vans is off the charts. Last week, low post added 6% and truck post declined 3%, causing load-to-truck ratio to hit seven loads, uh, seven loads per truck. That's the highest load-to-truck ratio ever recorded for vans, at least since trend lines was first published in 2010. Van rates are also at multi-year high as the national average van rate rose another three cents last week. Taking a look back historically, van loads low posts were up 10% from August to September while truck posts fell 14%. As a result, the September load to truck ratio increased by 28% to 6.6 van loads per truck. It's highest monthly level in years. 
the ratio was up 120% compared to September of 2016. Uh, the national average diesel price was unchanged, staying steady at $2.79 per gallon on average nationally. Uh, moving on, jumping over into the rates for the dry vans. Nationally, the national average van rate increased $0.03 cents last week to $1.97 per mile. That's the highest average van rate since January of 2015. Outbound rates fell in the post-disaster areas of the southeast region but made significant gains in other parts of the country, including the Midwest and Northeast. Taking a look back historically, the national average van rate for September increased 18 cents to $1.97 per mile compared to August. The rate was 35 cents higher than the average of 2016. Taking a look around the country, by region, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have average spot markets for dry vans checking in, coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at $2.07 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing average spot market rates of $2.38 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.76 per mile. Moving over into the south central portion of the United States, average spot market rates for dry vans coming out of Dallas, Texas at $1.78 per mile. And moving over into the west coast, the city of Angels, Los Angeles, California, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $2.27 per mile. Jumping over... Uh, to the flatbed demand and capacity report for the previous week. Let's see if we can get our to cooperate with us. Here we go. For the week of September 24th through September 30th, flatbed freight has begun to move in serious volumes to support the rebuilding efforts in Florida and the Gulf Coast. Last week, flatbed load posts increased 7%, truck posts declined by 8%, which caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise to 50.2 loads per truck. That's the highest flatbed load-to-truck ratio in years. The national average flatbed rate also increased. Taking a look back historically, Compared to August, flatbed load posts increased 14% in September, while truck posts decreased 22%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 46% to 41.8 loads per truck. Compared to September of 2016, the ratio has soared by 227%, excuse me, Taking a look to see how rates were performing for flatbeds, the national average rate for flatbeds increased by two cents, up to two dollars and twenty-seven cents per mile. That's the highest average flatbed rate in more than two years. Baltimore volumes and rates had the biggest increase, 
due to disruptions in the southeast, Rock Island, Illinois, which mostly services regional rains, also saw a large rate boost. Declining markets included Phoenix and Atlanta. Taking a look back historically, flatbed rates increased $0.08 cents per mile in September compared to August. The September national average rate of $2.26 per mile is the highest monthly average since December of 2014 compared to September 2016 last month's average rate rose a whopping 38 cents or 20 percent depending on how you want to look at it taking a look around the country starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States we have Harrisburg Pennsylvania checking in showing average spot market rates at $3.52 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.82 per mile. Moving up into the midwestern portion of the United States, Rock Island, Illinois, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $3.03 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas, checking in, showing $2.59 per mile on the spot market. Moving out west, wrapping up the report coming out of west, uh, the city of Phoenix, Arizona, shows a $1.91 per mile on average for flatbeds. Moving on over to the reefer demand and capacity report. If we can get everything to cooperate with us, here we go. Three weeks after Hurricane Irma, reefer load postings increased by 1%, and truck postings declined by 1%, bringing the load-to-truck ratio 12.4 loads per truck. That's the highest average reefer load-to-truck ratio in years. The national average reefer rate also moved higher due to strong seasonal demand and supply chain disruptions following Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey. Taking a look back historically, in September, reefer load posts increased by 11% and truck posts declined by 10% compared to August. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise 23% from 9.8 loads per truck up to 12 loads per truck nationally, the highest monthly load-to-truck ratio in more than two years compared to 2016. The load-to-truck ratio has skyrocketed by 104%. Let's take a look to see how the reefer rates were performing for the week of September 24th through the 30th. Reefer rates added another $0.01 cents last week, pushing up to $2.23 per mile. This is the highest weekly average in more than two years. The national load-to-truck ratio also increased to the highest level in years. Taking a look back historically on the rates, the September spot market rate average for reefers increased by $0.15 cents from August to September, reaching $2.23 per mile. That's the highest monthly average in more than two years. The September average rate was $0.32 cents higher than the average for September 2016. 
taking a look around the country to see how the spot market was performing. Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.39 per mile. Moving down into Lakeland, Florida, the southeastern portion of the United States is reporting average spot market rates of $1.30 per mile. Moving up into Green Bay, Wisconsin, the, the uh, midwestern portion of the United States, Green Bay is always a leader in this category, showing a strong $3.73 per mile coming out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. A lot of turkeys are starting to move as well coming out of that portion of the United States, which is also helping keep that rate nice and high. Uh, moving down into the South Central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas, showing reefer rates at $1.79 per mile on average. And wrapping up the reefer rate report coming out of the West Coast, Fresno, California, showing $2.10 per mile on the spot market coming out of Fresno, California. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's DAT trend lines report. Let me check one more thing here. Okay, and I, I wanted to, with a word of caution, I'm not going to be able to cover all of the people that are showing on my uh, bad broker report. This report has went bonkers over the past two weeks. Uh, I'm just going to advise everybody. I'm going to try to read a few uh, of the latest ones that have made the report. I'm just going to advise everybody to make sure that you are vetting the people that you are doing business with. Uh, this report has really gotten seriously out of hand. There are over 50 entries on this report, and it, it, it would take the entire rest of the show to read all of the entries that are on this report. So I'm not sure what is happening but guess with the word of caution, I'm gonna read a read a few of these off. But as a word of caution, just make sure you guys are uh, vetting everyone that you're doing business with. Uh, if you if you got long-standing relationships, you you, you might want to go back and double check and make sure that those people are still in in decent financial shape uh, before you put yourself in a precarious situation. With that being said, the first entry on this list, Transportation 2.0 LLC. Their MC number is 939309. FMCSA shows surety bond is scheduled for cancellation on 10-25-17. They have over $16,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. MLS Freight Logistics LLC. Their MC number is 269020. They have over $91,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. FMCSA shows that surety bond is set for cancellation on 10-29-2017. Twist Logistics, Inc. That MC number is 536-669. They show over $45,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. FMCSA shows that trust fund canceled on 9-2017. Cart Transportation, Inc., MC number 005777. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on 81917. 
over $39,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Beltana Logistics, LLC, MC number 655-581, FMCSA shows surety bond counsel. Over $12,000 in active non-payment complaints have been reported. Vistar Logistics, LLC, MC number is 998-118, FMCSA shows surety bond counsel. Over $22,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. MS Logis- LLC Certified Logistics, that MC number is 899-797. Over $142,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. There are multiple reports that Certified Logistics is filing for bankruptcy. USA Motor Lines Inc. That MC number is 324160. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on 7117. Over $43,000 in non payment complaints have been reported. Maywood Freight Inc. Freight Company Inc. That MC number is 022243. FMCSA shows Trust fund canceled on 8-2017. Over $65,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. LTA Logistics, Inc., that MC number is 579-165. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on 9-2417. Over $33,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Um, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up there. Um, like I said, I would be here the rest of the evening reading off the amount of people that are on this bad broker report. Make sure that you're utilizing, if you have factoring companies, make sure you're utilizing them as well with your credit checks. Uh, make sure that you don't, if you're not using any factoring companies, you may want to subscribe to some type of credit agency to vet some of these people. Um, make sure that you're vetting them, people that you're doing business with. And um, with that being said, without any further ado, I'm going to reach out and grab our, our special guest host that's uh, so gracious enough with his time to join us this evening, Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, how are you doing this evening? We're good. How are you, Rico? We are well. We are well. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people, I, I didn't even get a chance. I didn't even put a dent in that uh, broker report. I just wanted to read off maybe a few of them, but that was very alarming when I pulled that up this evening. It's scary. Any uh, words of advice for our listeners out there that, that, that to maybe uh, just some other tips that they may uh, that you can pass on? Well, if it's if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. So if you're in a lousy area uh, and you're in a place like Denver, Colorado, with no offense to people in Denver, but it's not a great area for freight, and you've got a flatbed or, or a dry van, and somebody offers you $6,000 to take a load to Chicago, think twice. Because the old scam is what happens is the these brokers that are going under, and they know they're going under, they will offer you more money than what they're getting. And the scam is, is they will offer you, you know, $8,000 for a low when they're only getting $3,000. But they have no intention of paying you that $8,000. 
And as soon as they have the proof of delivery, whether you send it to them, a lot of times they will get it from the receiver. What happens is they'll go to a factoring company, and some factoring companies out there, not all, but some of them are so damn desperate, they will factor these brokers. They've got their money, and they abscond. And that's what's been going on. And, you know, it's been, you know, you, you read out the, uh, the DAT report, and things are very busy out there. And that means that a lot of these brokers have not been able to get trucks because they haven't been paying their bills. They don't have stellar credit. And that's put increased pressure on them as well. So now all of a sudden, their cash flow has stopped. Their phones have stopped ringing, except for collection calls. And I think what you're seeing tonight is a combination of all of this. So, so I can just tell our listeners, be careful. I think you gave them really good advice. Um, if you're dealing with a broker that you don't know, that's where you do want a factoring company. Uh, if it's a broker that you don't know, you don't have a relationship with, uh, sounds too good to be true, let the factor check them out. They've got great resources to check credit out. That's what these people do. That's part of what their business is. And if they report back to you, we don't want to buy this accounts receivable, then that's a good sign for you to stay well aware. Don't go near it. Absolutely. Just want to remind our listeners, if you got any questions for Chuck or myself, you can press number one. That puts you in the in the call queue for us to get to your call. Um, there is another little story that's, that that has been brewing. Chuck, you called me about it. I double checked uh, Overdrive.com just to see what else was out there. And our good friend of the show, Todd Deals, is, is up in D.C. reporting live uh, from uh, the. It's called the ELD or Me Anti ELD Mandate Group. Uh, they have a little demonstration protest going on right now, uh, up in Wash, up in our nation's capital. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the the amount of participation that they are or are not getting. It, it seems that they've got uh, some people. They've got a. They've got. Looks like Ground Zero up that way is a uh, Doswell truck stop in Doswell, Virginia. Virginia. Um, that seems to be ground central or the gathering point where everything was jumping off. The story was about a day old from yesterday. I'm not sure how long uh, what the protests planned for or what all they were uh, were getting into. Uh, but um, just that's 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 an interesting little piece of, of information that's coming down the pike as well. That, that the, the demonstration is going on about the ELD mandate up in Washington D.C. Um, any thoughts on that, Chuck, before we move on and get any further? Well, you know, I, I, I commend these people for protesting. I think it's a little, it's way too little too late. Um, you know, these protests should have been made five years ago, and we, you know, people should have gone to their um, elected representatives and put pressure on them then. Um, no offense, but this whole thing was done ass backwards. Um you know, it was everything has been done ass backwards with this thing. The first thing that we should have done, as I've said before, is we needed to create an environment where these ELDs would work. Um, you know, as far as shippers, receivers, and parking for trucks, and none of that has been done. So I, I don't blame these 
owner-operators and drivers for protesting, but I don't think anybody's going to pay attention. I think all that's happening really is there'll be some camaraderie there, and I think that some people have lost this week's opportunity to earn money in the end. Unfortunately, uh, that's what's going to happen. I think that your government in the United States has made up their mind that they're going to, uh, you know, they're going through with this legislation for December, and all the shutdowns in the world are not going to stop it at this point because most, you know, most carriers I know, small and big, have migrated already onto the ELDs. Um, you know, it's like you and I were talking this morning about your business, um, and you find that having ELDs is giving you more time because you're you're able to the ELD can figure out that you you know you can run for um, X number of hours and you can shut it down for eight and go back to work and then you have to take some more rest. Very hard to do that with paper logs. And the world is changing, and I think that we need to change with the world. The world's not going to, it's not going to stop, and these changes aren't going to stop. And as successful business people, we need to figure out how to make the best out of what we're handed. And it's like working with the wind when you're fishing. You know, if you need to, if it's windy in a certain direction, you may need to go to the other side of the river. And it's the same thing. There's money. There's there, there is money to be made even with ELDs. It's not the end of the world. We just need. It's not the same as it was. And I can tell you, from where we sit here, I have never seen a shortage of equipment like I am seeing now. Uh, and what people tell me is there has not been a shortage of, of equipment like this really since World War II. So. We're in for some good times. Not everything is bad. Uh, things are, you know, things are humming along. I think that, um, you know, the U.S. economy has turned a corner. I think the Canadian economy has turned some corners. I think the world economy has turned some corners. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of unrest in the world and things aren't perfect. But overall, I think that economically, I think we're doing very well. And I think that in our business, in the trucking and logistics businesses, we are the barometer of how healthy the economy is. And when we're busy like this, everybody's busy. There are some losers. You know, we're, there are some retail giants. There's the, the Sears of the world that, uh, you know, and there's some other uh, retailers that haven't switched over to um, the new way of doing business. And we've gone from bricks to clicks. But there's money in that, too. You know, there's there's money in, you know, that final delivery part of the, the business. There's all sorts of ways where people in our industry are going to make money. They're just figuring out what. Don't think that what you did before is how you're going to run your business in future. We're going to just have to change and go with the flow. And that's the, that's the optimal word for tonight is just move, move with the times. We can't stay doing what we did 20 years ago. Well, Chuck, I'm I'm glad that you um, stated that part of it. Um, I want to take this opportunity to uh, look back. You know, we just finished going over the DAT trend lines report. Uh, the national average rate across all segments, drive whether it be drive vans, flatbeds, or reefers, uh, they're they're reporting that this is, has been the highest that those that they have been able to measure in more than seven years. 
So that shows, that says that there is a tremendous amount of opportunity to be had. Okay, that's on the spot market, but how can a small carrier such as myself and, and the majority of our listening audience, what are some ways that we could utilize this this uh, this this opportunity that's right in front of us right now to maybe uh, build relationships or lock in new customers, uh, direct customers, or build relationships with brokers? Um, if that's if that's a part of our business model, are there any points or tips that you can give our listening audience on that? Yeah, uh, I think you have to specialize in something. Everybody's got to be a specialist. And whether your specialty is a certain type of equipment because you've got a an end dump or a belly dump or a green hopper or a flatbed or a step deck, um, that's one way you specialize. Uh, maybe specialize in a, yeah, another commodity. Maybe if you've got a reefer, uh, get your hazmat ticket and go after some of that business. If you've got a dry van, you know, stick with stick with a route. And I can't stress this whether you're whether you're dealing with brokers or you're dealing with direct accounts. If you're going to go in um, and see a direct account, at least be able to offer something. If you've got that dry van, and say, listen, I service between uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh or or wherever, and make it reasonable. As, as you and I have talked several times with the changes of our business you really want predictability that's how you're going to build your business when you run that same lane all the time you you understand what the lane involves what traffic flow is like how long it's going to take you you understand the cost of tolls you understand the cost of fuel you know when all of a sudden when you're a, uh, a carrier and you're based in Florida and you're running all over North America, you you know, you know, just don't have that familiarity sometimes when you go into strange places. You're, you're more apt to, uh, to spend more money on tolls or spend more money on fuel because you didn't factor in. Maybe you're going through you know, areas like Nebraska certain times of the year when you have a strong crosswind and all of a sudden your fuel mileage goes to hell. Those things happen. But if you pick a lane, and again, with these ELDs, there's so many advantages to picking those short lanes. Uh, pick those 300-mile lanes where you can get try to get there and back in the same day, or worst comes to worst, even a 500-mile uh, radius, so at least you're sleeping over one night and you can get back home the next day. Your customers will love it, and you become predictable. And that's what customers want. They want to know that they can call Rico because... Rico goes from point A to point B. They're not going to call you for the California freight, but they'll call you for the load from, let's say, from Atlanta uh, that's going into Charlotte or from Atlanta uh, that's going into, um, you know, the, the bottom end of Alabama or something, uh, something that's not that far. And you want to be known for, for something, and that's how you're going to build your business and make money because all of a sudden – you know, it's the cost of your equipment, too. And when we're replacing equipment, the, the price of new trucks has just gotten crazy. Uh, even sometimes the price of good used trucks is pretty expensive. And when, when you're talking the price of equipment and putting plates on it and putting insurance and running that truck for 70 hours a week, 
it gets harder and harder, even with these great rates. So what you want to be able to do in a perfect world is you want to be able to run those shorter distances, and if you ever could, have a second shift on that truck so that you run it from uh, A to B um, and back to A during your uh, during your work day, and you have a driver that maybe he just does local uh, city halls at night. That's when you start making money on a truck, and those are things you can do. Or maybe the, you know maybe your business lends itself to going back to that same location and doing two A to Bs a day, and the second driver um, is able to do the same thing. And you know I think that. Once we get more used to this whole uh, ELD thing, I really think that there'll be a lot of opportunities for us, even us small carriers, to work together and do trailer switches. So you would, you know, I would run a, uh, we would run a load here from Toronto to Detroit, and somebody else would take it from Detroit to Chicago, and that way everybody's truck is doing uh, five or six hundred miles a day. And I think that's where we're going to be headed in the future. I think that's an opportunity that um, it's an old way of doing business, interlining, and I think it's going to come back. And if the small guys can ever start interlining, we will be able to compete with the big guys uh, head-to-head and actually do better. Yeah, I think that they, we may have a little bit, of, and that may be a question that I'll make note of to ask uh, Hank Seaton when we have him on next, because I, I think that in the, the MAP 21 law that they've done some stuff, they, they're kind of uh, taking away a little bit of the interlining provision, that the, the old way of interlining. I think there's still a way to pull it off, but I think that there may be a couple of more uh, maneuvers that need the eyes that need to be dotted and T's that need to be crossed before we can actually make that uh, make that a reality to be able to pull you know to, to pull the whole interlining piece off. We got uh, a couple well, people that's got their hands raised, so we're gonna take. You want to take some calls now? Or you want to you want to address? Yeah, that I just want to say one thing. Calls? I think with that interlining, I think it was more uh, when it, and don't quote me on this, but Hank will be able to set us both straight. I think it had more to do with brokering a freight through an interline agreement than it did actually the true um, the true term of interlining. So, but that's a great question to ask Hank, and I'm going to listen to make sure that he sets me straight on that if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right on that. So it, it was it was meant to try to keep from brokering freight in that in that fashion. Um, let's go and grab Luke while we got a chance here, real quick. Luke, you're up and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, how you doing? It's good. How you guys doing tonight? Good. Good, Luke. And yourself. Hey, uh, <clears throat> I only I only wanted to add one uh, one thing here. Uh, when you were talking about the ELDs and and run kind of the routes you're talking about i'm usually about a legal day out a legal day back but the one problem i have is i run ltl freight out of chicago and i live in the middle going going back west um, i run to denver every week and i live in the middle i usually come up short within an hour or two of my house on friday night and the problem i have with it is by the time I do my 10 hours, it's going to put me that much further behind on my my 30 hour, 34 hour restart, and I got to be there on Monday 
to Denver to start making my drops. And by the time my 34-hour restart gets done, it's going to be midnight on Sunday night. So then i got to drive all through the night. And by the time I get to Denver from my house, I'm right at 11 hours. I have no time left. So, you know, what's this do to, to me, you know, other than just pretty much drive me out or keeps me out on the road longer? And I just don't see any point in it if I'm going to have to stay out on the road longer. Um, I'm fortunate enough, I, I know other trades other than just driving a truck. I got into driving a truck because I, I wanted to drive a truck, and I, I bought my own truck. And I've been on my own motor carrier authority since day one. So I'm kind of like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it, if you can't tell by what I've already said. Is there is there a possibility for you to be able to run recap instead of instead of doing if you don't have to have a thirty four hour is there a possibility for you to run recaps and just run on your on your recaps without having to take a thirty four or you, or you, you need I've, that I've never tried it because I I feel like I need that thirty four um, I pretty much have burned up sixty hours by the time I get home and you know it's just you know, it's going to cut into my family life even that much more. And my family already doesn't have me around for, uh, you know, five days a week or five and a half days a week. Um, I usually leave at noon on Sundays. I get to Denver. I get my good night rest. And I start the next morning. And it's not going to happen anymore, you know. And, and that's why I'm looking at building a brand-new glider. You know, I've got, I've got three trucks. I've gone down to two. Because the drivers don't want to deal with it. Um, one of my drivers took a local job. The other one had issues uh, with personal, you know, personal at home. So he went he went back to doing something local out in Pennsylvania. So I sold one truck. I've got two other trucks. Uh, one's an 11 and one's a 16. The 16 has got 120,000 miles on it now, and I, I'm just sitting here going what do I do other than build a glider? I really don't want to go buy an old truck. Um, so I'm looking, sitting here building, looking at building a glider, lighter than I've ever, ever expected a truck before. You know, my trucks, we pull, I pull flatbed and right. they all haul 50,000 pounds or more. And, you know, now I'm looking at, at building a, a little 389 Peterbilt because it's about the lightest truck I can possibly find. Uh, with a Detroit, and it comes in at 16,400 pounds with a 244-inch wheelbase. And, you know, these are kind of things that are going through my head. Um, I've even thought about doing a, uh, a, uh, a cross-dock system over in Iowa because we can run heavier weights west of the Mississippi. There's your answer. You just came on Luke. I, it is, but, but I've but I still got to have a truck to get back and forth from Chicago back over across the river. You know, and and I just don't think I have enough time because I have a backhaul for every week. Okay, you know, here's not, what's got to happen, Luke. I'm listening to you, and I I'm actually feeling your pain. I really am. Um, but we need to figure out how to how to work. The laws are changing, and I honestly think that uh, building a glider kit is not the answer. You know, our industry is famous, and write this down, people. A friend of mine that owned a trucking company that wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, once said something highly, highly intelligent about the trucking industry, and and I'm going to quote his words. The trucking industry is famous 
for solving problems by creating new ones. Sure. And and I think that you need to get – don't do this thing with the glider. I think you got to figure out – and I'm not going to say how to do it right now. I, I'm uh, At the end of the show, I'll, I'll be giving out my number, and you're more than welcome to call, and we can discuss it, and I will try to – um, I'll try to work with you on the problem and, and find a solution for you. But you've got to figure out how to make it work with the new, with the new way of doing things. Something will right. change. You've got to change it somehow. Um, you know, buying a glider is not the answer. Because mark my words, it's going to be a matter of a few short years, and they're going to outlaw that too. Okay. I just... You know, I'm not very old. I'm 36. I'll be 37 in November. I've got a lot of years left to work. Um, I was reinvested money into the equipment and trying to grow. And I started, went, once this started coming along and, and really got heavy, and, it, and I, I honestly, my, honestly my, my opinion was I thought at some point it was going to get rolled back, but like the last two times it did. Um, and that's why I wasn't afraid to buy newer equipment. Um, you know, I took a beating on that 2014. It was a nice truck, and, it, and that was the one I would have liked to have kept. Well, the 11 blew up. It dropped a liner, so I ended up dumping $18,000 into that. Um, and, you know, so I got the 16 sitting there at home looking pretty as can be. <laughs> it's about as good as for, you know, throwing rocks at it, you know. But uh, I'm just, oh. you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I don't know. I'm having a hard time trying to decide what to do. So I was trying to work my way back towards one truck because I, I don't know what it is, but I, I cannot find drivers. And I can't. I can't keep drivers. I feel like I do the right things. Uh, I don't run them on a 1099. I provide them with health insurance. I pay over 50% of the health insurance. I have workman's comp. Um, you know, I pay every week, and you know, we always take off during Christmas time. Uh, you know, the guys, the guys are never short on time and, and I just can't keep good drivers. I could find lousy drivers all day long, but yeah, well, it's an industry wide problem. And, and part of the issue I noticed when I was at the truck show in, um, in Dallas at the great American truck show and walking by our booth, the vast majority of truck drivers that did over, you know, over the road trucking, the type of work that you're talking about, were much closer to my age, which is 64, than they were your age. Sure. So that's and part of the problem. Yes. You know, the young uh, guys don't want to do this work. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what I, how I get out of Denver. I haul grain back on a covered wagon, and I shovel it off at the other end. And you know what it's like? Do you know what people look at you that, that have no clue about this or, or don't come from any kind of ag background? They look at you right. like you got two heads when you tell them you shovel grain off of a flatbed, and they're like, "There's no way, there's no way on earth that I'd ever do that." And I'm like, right. "Good, make sure I've got a backhaul every week," you know. Because you're a businessman, and don't give up, man. You, you, you're the, you're the, the kind of stuff our industry is made of, and what it needs. And with a couple of tweaks, you'll be fine. The problem yeah. is, is that agriculture has been giving us drivers since there was, uh, you know, uh, since there were trucks. As a matter of fact, I'll share a little bit of history with everybody. The long-nosed Peterbilt, uh, the 379 or whatever they call them now, and the W model Kenworth are modeled 
after trucks that were designed during the depression, uh, the depression of 1929 and 30s, um, and it was for the farm boys because the farm boys were always our drivers. There's no farm boys anymore. Exactly. So that's um, exactly. you know that's where we're going. I would love to share a business plan with you guys, but I, I don't want to do it with people listening in because I think I it's just it. solid. One, I've had a, I've had a couple people tell me I'm just completely crazy, but I see I see a need and a, and a, and a, a way around this. And it would solve up a lot of the problems with the drivers wanting to hold the gra- not wanting to hold the grain, um, and the drivers doing the work. Um, the only thing is, it's going to take a lot of cash flow. Um, me being 37, I- I'm still young, and I and I could develop a business uh, model after this. But at the same time, I'm dumping money into my 401ks and IRAs like you wouldn't believe, just so that when I'm 70 years old, I don't have to be out here. I, I- my my goal is to be done be- before I'm 60. Um, we're trying to buy rental properties right now. We're trying to do too much, and we shouldn't. Um, I feel like the amount of time that I've been in the business, uh, I've been on on and off for the last 10 years. I worked as a mechanic at a Ford dealer, which I think now I could probably go back to a dealership and name my rate that I want, and I could probably do just as well as what I do here. But I like trucking. I grew up around trucking. Then, and you should uh, do it then. You know, this is a business built on passion and if we took you out of that truck tomorrow and we put you into a, a ford shop turning wrenches you'd be miserable after two weeks exactly. and every time exactly. you heard a, a jake break or a diesel come go by you'd have tears in your eyes and you'd be running down the street to see what it was so exactly. you know let's yeah. deal with what we have um and listen to the show and i'll give my personal numbers uh for the this office here as a matter of fact, I'll give it to you right now. If you, have you got a pen? Can you write? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm sitting down. I'm sitting at the truck stop. I okay, got very important. My extension is 203. 203. And you can reach me at 800-388-4352. Oh, 52. 52 or 62? 5-2. Oh, 5-2, okay. Are you going to give me a call, and I'm I'm more than happy to discuss this with you in private, and uh, get you through this. And I think you'll come out on the other end very successful. I would think so. I just I, I just been afraid to throw the cash out it because um, it would require the purchase or lease of of a, a facility, and then well, let's talk about it. Facility, you know. But yeah, I'd really like to run it by somebody, you know that. You know, a couple of guys that said you're crazy, you know, and and you know they saw where it could work, but they saw where it was crazy because it was going to be a lot of money to put in it. But you know, making money's not cheap. You got to spend money to make money. You got and, it. Uh, and remember, we're all accountants. Right. You know, it's like. Oh. But well, I won't take up any more time. I appreciate your time, guys. Let's Thanks for calling, Luke. Else. All right, Luke. Thank you. We appreciate the phone call, Luke. Let's see, uh, we got a few more minutes left before we got to get ready to get out of here. Already? So Jeez. My call screen, yeah, my, my, my call screen looks like Mayor fell asleep on, fell asleep on me. So we're going to go and hey, grab Rico, call. Uh, just, I just want to mention this, that tomorrow is my 43rd anniversary in the trucking business. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Three years of trucking business. Yeah, I've seen a lot of changes. I got to tell you. If we could, if we could only be so fortunate. 
Let's go and grab a uh, caller from the 828 area. What's your name? Don't lie. What's going to jump? Hello, caller from 828. Hey, how you doing? Well. All right. What's your name? What's your name and where you calling from? Um, my name is Bob, and I'm calling from Bryant, Arkansas. Good evening, All Bob. Right, Brian, how can we help tonight? You know, there's some stinking thinking in this industry, and, and part of it is thinking that an electronic log is going to change anything. What that man was basically saying is he wants to run outlaw, and he don't care. Now, as far as that backhauling, you know, that's the worst word that ever came became invented in this industry. You should never, ever use that word. Every load is a load. There's no such thing as a backhaul. When you use that word, all you're doing is open yourself up to the brokers and saying, hey, I'm desperate. I'll take anything. You know, we got to get rid of this thinking, thinking in the industry and think positive and move forward with new ideas. The hours of service are the same no matter if it's an electronic log or an illegal paper log. The problem is we still got people out here who think they need the low-ball freight and then run 36 hours in a row to make money. You know, and that's just my two cents worth. Good point. Okay. I, 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 can, I can see where I see where you're coming from on, on a couple of those points. Um, you know, but, you know, backhaul is, I understand what you're saying when it, when it comes down to the terminology of backhaul and, and things of that nature. I definitely understand that. Um, and he probably, I think Luke probably, he sounds like a sound businessman. It sounds like he's got his things together. So uh, I'm pretty sure that he probably is getting a pretty decent, it sounds like he's getting a pretty decent rate because he, from the conversation that we have with him, it sounds like he's trying to pay his driver. He's trying to do things above board, doing things the right way. Uh, but yeah, I, I understand the different. So sometimes we get into the semantics of, of, of vocabulary, and um, but you you know uh, we gotta figure out as an industry we gotta stop shortcutting ourselves is the main thing. And shortcutting ourselves, I mean that by as I've always said, we've I've been a big proponent of. We've always been giving away. We have been the mag- magic erasers of this end of of the the whole transportation sector. Uh, everybody else can, can goof off and do things that uh, we have to make up for. You know, you get they have you sitting at a dock for 10 hours at a time, but they still want to, want it to make it on time uh, 500 miles down the road. That's just not, you know, unfortunately, times have got to change. And in order for the race to increase, we have to make sure that we are getting compensated for what we need to get compensated for. And unfortunately, that's where the ELDs and the whole of the, the, the rigmarole comes in at. We have a whole bunch of people that are still willing to run uh, to still do the magic erase a bit, but uh, not get compensated, not get compensated for detention, not get compensated for, uh, you know, being, being held up by shippers or receivers um, all across the board. And until we can figure out a way to uh, stand together and change the status quo of how things have been ran in this industry from since the beginning of time, um, we're going to continue to get more of the same. So, you know, that's, that's where the fight lies on 
us becoming better businessmen, better business uh, to take care of our businesses versus taking care of everybody else's business. Chuck, it's getting yep. about that time. You want to uh, you want to uh, tell everybody what's going on? What you guys got cooking over there? Traffic's. I think we may have one more caller before we get out of here as well. Okay, well let's uh, let's grab that last caller. All right, we're waiting on to get screened in. Well, well, looks like a couple of people. I don't know, maybe I struck a nerve. Looks like a couple of people want to <laughs> grab Rusty. Rusty, you're up, on, you're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, I was calling about uh, this. Uh, Trump's talking about Puerto Rico. Has anybody heard of who to contact? You know, in order to get get the trucks over there, and what kind of rates they're currently offering, or what's what's the deal with that? I haven't heard anything of you other than they need drivers. Got me on that one, and uh, yeah, I can't do. I, I don't have any information on that one. That's above my pay grade. What would what would you go What would you go there for? What would you consider a, a reasonable rate, considering everything that's, that's on the table there? Can I ask you a question? With all yeah, due respect, there's more work in the continental United States than we have ever seen in in our history, or since World War II anyways. Um, why, if you're a businessman and you own a truck, why are you interested in taking your truck on a barge or on a boat and shipping it over to Puerto Rico when there's more work than what you could do in your own backyard? Well, because I've heard three different, three different truck stops here. I've heard between drivers and talking $300 an hour, Twelve hours a day with a six-month contract. So is this is a truck driver. Well, that's just it. Is I've heard it three different places by a handful of different truckers. So that's why I'm believing that there may be some truth to it. So that's why I'm trying to dig deeper and trying to find out where the truth is. Because I don't know anybody here in the U.S. that's getting $300 an hour guaranteed, twelve hours a day, seven days a week on a six-month contract. I don't think there's anybody in Puerto Rico making that either because there's an, I know of an awful lot of truck drivers in the United States that are originally from Puerto Rico, and I think that most of them would have already gone back home to work there for six months for that. That's an awful lot of money. Right, right, and that's why I'm asking the question is because, you know. Great question, but I don't real. think, I, I think it's one of those um, those urban legends, all due respect. Okay. All right, sounds great. Thank you. Remember what I said earlier, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. All right, Rusty, we appreciate the phone call. Let's go and grab Adrian real quickly. Adrian, you're up and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Yeah, I just have a comment on the electronic logs, and I want people to think about it maybe in a different way. Uh, You know, if you you looked at... uh, running your your truck heavy, you know, like, say, 90,000 pounds, you're just uh, taking freight away from everybody who's trying to run legal, you know, giving shippers the benefit. Um, Electronic logs, I think, are going to be one of the best things that's happened to the industry because on on the distribution side, you want as little trucks as possible on the road. You want to be the only one there. Bidding on bidding on a load, and if you, and if you're running a load where you're an, an hour behind or two hours behind, and you're just doing it anyway, you're just giving your time away for free because instead of working five days a week, 
maybe you only work four days a week and charge exactly the same amount of money because that's exactly what the work you're doing is worth. You're you're not just giving them an hour. Like with the guy running back from the, the first caller, you might be giving them that whole day. If you were running it legal and stuck to running it legal, you might be able to spend an extra whole day with your family instead of, you know, an extra hour with your family. I mean, the shippers need to move their freight. And anything we can do to reduce capacity on the driver's side is going to be good for the people who are who are who are moving that freight. So, yeah, I mean, there might be a time where we got to transition. You know what I mean? But we're we're just giving away money by doing things for shippers that uh, you know that are illegal and adding capacity for free. Great point. Uh, your points are well taken. Um, I, I do agree with you, and I think that what we're seeing now is the it, it's the first result we've seen of VLDs. I think it's October 1st or the beginning of October, and I noticed in the last three, four weeks, it has just been a bonanza of freight all over the place, and that is because all of a sudden more and more trucks are equipped with ELDs, there's no wiggle room when that driver sits at a dock, um, you know, and he gets there at 9 o'clock in the morning and they move him to a couple of buildings. That driver's day is shot, and he's not going anywhere. And I think that's happening more frequently than not. And as a result, I think we're seeing this shortage of trucks already, uh, just in the trucks that are already on the road. So I think what you say has a lot of validity to it. And I commend you for thinking that way. Absolutely. Well, Chuck, we are at that time. We got a couple of minutes left in the show. Uh, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Well, the first thing I want to say is I want to thank this industry uh, for accepting me 43 years ago and giving me the opportunity to to grow up in it and to prosper. Um, you know, if you have dreams, follow them. That's my advice to everybody out there. Um, I'm more than willing to keep giving back because this industry has been so wonderful to my family and to me and to all the people that work with us. And, and a big thank you from all of us uh, to the industry. If you need me, I'm available. Uh, love to help and give back. Uh, you can reach me at extension 203. That's really important. Don't even try to call here without an extension because you'll go through hell. 800-388-4352. Uh, That's how you reach me. Now, if you need loads out of the Chicago or to the Chicago area, I'll give you our Chicago phone number. Uh, the op center is extension 743, and the phone number there is 888-253-8010. And if you need something in the Texas area to or from or anywhere in that um, southwest area, I strongly suggest you call our folks in uh, Plano, which is a suburb of Dallas. The number there is 888 713 5189, and the extension for the operations people that will give you loads is 721, and we'll pay you right away. We'll do a quick pay, no fee to you. 
sounds good. want to thank you guys, especially you listeners, to take time out of your busy schedule to join us here tonight on the Rates and Lanes podcast. I am Rico Muhammad signing off live from here in Atlanta. want to thank and send a big shout-out to the daughters back that are screening the phone calls for us tonight. And Kevin, Lisa Rutherford, the entire Let's Truck team for providing us with the platform to bring you the show. God bless you. Good night. Be safe out there, everybody. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night. Good night. God bless. Be safe.